Damien, thank you so much for joining us for the Goods & Co. podcast. We are so excited to have you here. You're a bit of a local legend, I believe. You are everywhere, blowing up on Instagram, involved in so many projects within this community. Um, so it is absolutely a pleasure to have you here, my man. Thanks for uh, having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Yeah, great. Um, so the way the direction we kind of go with this podcast is we want to let the audience and this community know more about the artists in this community and how they got started, I think, is a big part of uh, the interesting stories behind some of the artists. So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to become a photographer within this community? So for me, um, I was kind of like really involved with uh, like watching like Jackass or like stunt prank videos, like Super Dave Osborne as a kid, like things nice. like that, just kind of like <laughs> having fun entertaining friends and then um one christmas i just asked my dad for a, a video camera and it was like early 2000 maybe 2000 and he bought me this like 1989 compact vhs thing that was nice. like it was garbage Over but the i shoulder? mean it was not quite that big okay. but it was like <laughs> the giant tapes and the battery maybe had 20 minutes on it oh, so God. every shot you had to make count and uh i ran that thing until it couldn't go anymore and then um Kind of got involved at the high school the Comtech program and right. started using their uh, cameras and started to learn how to edit and everything like that. So we would just kind of go around high school and shoot each other doing stupid things. And um, from there, um, once I graduated, I actually went back, did the victory lap, but then I did a placement at MHR Media. Oh, and cool. then from all the years of filming, I basically compiled all that footage and we made a DVD and uh, got distribution and everything like that. So this is like youtube era this is i want to say early 2000s 2002 or three yeah well. and um so from there just kind of built this online following through forums and stuff like that msn messenger and the video started yeah like a long time ago <laughs> the video started spreading that way and um yeah then eventually i went to film school and kind of from there just you know got into everything yeah so have you always primarily identified as being a filmmaker or because you do a lot of straight photography as well um are you kind of just see yourself as both or are you do you feel like you're primarily a filmmaker um for i mean it all started off just like with a video camera and actually i was always the one on camera doing the stupid things until people would miss the shot and then i got fed up and started filming it <laughs> myself but um I wouldn't say I got into photography until about 2006 when I got my first DSLR. Right. It was like a Canon Rebel. And um, that's kind of when I started dabbling into it. Uh, nothing serious until maybe about 2010 or 11. Started shooting a lot more. But for since the beginning, it was always video. Mm -hmm. And then after film school, it was more film. And now I kind of just, yeah, I do both, you know. Nice. Um, so you're from Thunder Bay originally, born and raised. Um, and you you have a big involvement in the community. It seems here, you really seem to get in involved within the local community, whether that's the artisans, restaurants, small businesses, whatever it is. Um, but you're also someone who, according to what I've seen on Instagram and we've known each other for a couple of years now, um, you're someone who seems to be always looking for the next adventure. You're someone who loves to travel and whatnot. Um, uh, what's your experience been like with, uh, filmography and traveling the world? Um, so for me, I, I did these little like spurts of travel, um, maybe started around like 2010, 11 for some shoots. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate to go to like Morocco and Barbados for this documentary and kind of got a little taste of it then. And um, 
wasn't until about 2014 when we went on our first big kind of Euro trip and it just opened my eyes like mm. big time and I was hooked. So just kind of capturing, you know, the different uh, cultures and the different landscapes that, you know, we're not too familiar with being from Thunder Bay, mm -hmm. but it actually opened my eyes to what we had here. Like, cause up until that point, I never like hiked Sleeping Giant. I never did any right. of these waterfalls. And so once I seen what was out in the world, I, you know, learned to appreciate what we had in our backyard and yeah, it just got me hooked. Yeah, so. no kidding. You seem to be a huge, huge advocate, especially, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like over the last two, three years, you've really leaned hard into what you can find in Northwestern Ontario. It seems like you've really helped show people, not only people from outside of Thunder Bay, but people within this community that like, if you go for a 20 minute, half an hour, hour long hike into a bush a certain way, you can find like amazing amazing locations you're someone who likes to shoot a lot of secret locations secret waterfalls right yeah so like a, a personal kind of project for me has been uh trying to capture as many of the waterfalls around here within uh i would say a four-hour radius of thunder bay i'm currently up to 50 and most people only kind of know about maybe high falls or kakabaka yeah. but there's just so many more so for me it's just been kind of that sense of adventure and almost like treasure hunting, you know, mm -hmm. um, looking at old maps and everything like that. And then you kind of bushwhack in and right. sometimes you, uh, you find it and you don't, or it's not as big as you thought or, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd like to touch to on your Instagram. There's, there's a couple accounts that you're running, I believe. I think I follow them all. I have too many, too many, <laughs> but it, it's, it kind of shows like, obviously you're kind of separating the, the work that you're doing. Can you just kind of enlighten anyone listening to what your what accounts you're involved in and what may be the difference between them so my actual like my company name is epica pictures so basically anything business related i've kept you know separate within that mm -hmm. um and then my d-man gilbert's kind of been like my main art you know kind of personal projects stuff that i kind of just you know i do it the way i want to do it mm -hmm. there's no one telling me otherwise so that's where i post that that's like my biggest account. Um, it seems to get the most traction, I find. And then um, my personal account, where it's more of just me doing random things, eating food, going on adventures, bugging the wife, you know, uh, <laughs> that's on the, the Bay of Thunder account. So that's kind of like the free-for-all and kind of a little bit of everything. Yeah, there. nice, nice. Um, how is your, obviously this last year has been crazy and different. Um, what's your experience been like over the last year of having COVID? Um, has it hindered you in any kind of way? Has it maybe bolstered you in a couple different ways? What's, uh, what's your experience been like over the last year? Um, so initially when it first had happened, you know, because everything was so kind of, you know, the unknown. Um, so I was shut down like everyone else. Um, and then it was just kind of like, okay, what do you know, what do I do? What's next? Mm -hmm. Um, Fortunate for me, I wasn't like a guy that really shot weddings or anything like that or the odd events um, I do, but so I wasn't really like hit with that market. Um, but then other things kind of kicked in like real estate. I've been getting into more real estate. So mm. that market's been insane. So I've been shooting a lot of real estate and then I kind of fortunate because of the pandemic, um, there was this television series that was looking for some shots up here. And um, they didn't want to be sending people back and forth, you know, from Toronto or oh, Vancouver. Right. So it kind of lucked out in my favor that, you know, I was, you know, capable to do the shots that they wanted. And 
I just, you know, built a good rapport with uh, the production, and uh, now I've been working on that since September, and should be going till July. So I've That's been amazing. really busy, you know, yeah. uh, considering, and I, you know, it's unfortunate there's so many people that can't be working right now because of the restrictions. But for me, it's yeah, I've been fortunate. And no kidding. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's really having to be to to adapt uh, and pivot as much as you can, and that's awesome that that opportunity showed up for you that way. Um, as I mentioned before, you're someone who's very involved in the community of Thunder Bay. How I'd like you to to talk on that a little bit because a lot of the guests that we have on talk about how the art scene and the community within this city and Northwest Ontario is kind of like nothing else you see. Um, especially in big cities or whatnot, you having been someone who's traveled and experienced quite a lot, what what's your opinion on the artist community within this town? I believe like, the talent within this community is, you know, it's on par with any other place, really. Um, I mean, you're someone that's traveled a lot and you've worked with, you know, talent on all various levels as well, so... I'm sure you can attest to that, that there's so many, you know, there's so many hidden gems in Thunder Bay. And I think now with the way the internet and social media that we're able to see a lot more of this hidden talent that, you know, years before you had to be in Toronto or New York or LA to get this exposure, but there's people literally just in the room. Like, you know, it's mm -hmm. just crazy with TikTok and Instagram that the world's your audience now. And with Thunder Bay, like, I think with us being so isolated that the creativity has always kind of been an outlet for a lot of them. And um, the music scene has always been next level here in Thunder Bay. Yeah. Um, so many actors that have come out of Thunder Bay uh, and then you got, you know, the athletes and, and then you got all the different artisans and then, you know, you got all these different food makers and just like there's so many different hidden talents and uh, it's all coming from here and just the way, the internet's now allowed us to share it all. You know, it's not, you're not just contained or you don't have to move to a big city. Like who would have known that Heartbeat could build an operation that they've not, you know, done out yeah. of just like a small little kitchen initially. And then, they've gone global. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. And you're totally right. It's, it's the, the turn of the century with the, the internet coming in and really making the world so much smaller and more accessible. Um, but I like what you said about, people on this podcast have talked or touched at least on the fact that Thunder Bay is isolated. So it, it creates a certain kind of community, but it's interesting. You say, um, because everyone's isolated, they've got, they need to figure out something to do or an outlet, some sort of creative outlet. And it's totally right. I remember growing up in this town and just, I don't want to say being bored, but as you're a kid, you may not realize the potential the city has. So you feel limited and then it's, you're kind of forced to explore in a different way, a creative way or whatever. And I think that you're right. It, it might, uh, help build some different kind of creatives within this town, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. People coming out of here is crazy. And like, and also like in the last few years, I've noticed like a lot of people have moved back mm. and given back into Thunder Bay. You know, they've, you know, they've did their five, 10 years outside of Thunder Bay and they're bringing those experiences back. I'm like, okay, we can open this up here. And so, you know, the, the culinary scene's insane now. Oh yeah. It's amazing. Like 10 years ago, it was, you know, maybe the keg or something crazy like that, you know, like, that, that was your, you know, high-end eating. Um, but now No offense you, to the keg. Yeah. <laughs> they got great food. But uh, <laughs> you just got so much good, and culture too. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we've, we're so multicultural now. We're getting all these different culinary experiences that we've never been, mm -hmm. you know, 
never had before so we're fortunate and um i think it's just only going to grow like the potential with this city we've always been a few years behind everywhere else and mm -hmm. i think there's just an un untapped uh potential yeah. with this no i've definitely seen that too I i've been out of the city for quite a while and coming back now like you said i think a lot of people are moving back and bringing what they're seeing out in the world back to the city and really everyone's as a community raising the bar in thunder bay and that's that's amazing there's so many amazing things coming okay so let's uh i want to pull up some of your photos here or at least we'll go through some of your accounts and yeah. if you've got any good stories i think people would be really interested so why don't you actually take this and maybe find a picture that you think because uh, obviously i know on the last i would say in the last year or two i follow you pretty aggressively but uh, it seems like you've really started to blow up even outside of Thunder Bay. Like you're getting a lot of attention from publications from all over the world and and uh, a ton of followers on all your accounts. Uh, are there any pictures that you think have kind of started that trend or um, have really started to change the game for you? Um, I found like whenever I post anything local, it's always done way better on my accounts than oh, really? like say something I thought was like super epic from Iceland or Korea. I don't know if it's because the majority of my followers are from this region, but even when I post something epic from here, like it's reaching those outside places and mm -hmm. getting comments. So, you know, like one that I did last year was the first time that I hiked sleeping giant. Right. And Which I, is ridiculous that it's the first time. <laughs> right. But but I heard how gnarly it was. Like you gotta, you know, walk eight kilometers and then you gotta hike this thing and then back. So mm -hmm. us being the way we are, we're like, well, let's do it at night so we can get the sunset. So <laughs> that ended up being like one of the most epic shots for me. Yeah. And um but just the traction that I got from that and uh I'm trying to find you, sorry. No, that's fine. Yeah, and that's like yeah. that that sleeping giant hike is is it's so underrated, I think. The Sleeping Giant in general, I think, is underrated. Mm -hmm. When people come and experience it that aren't from Thunder Bay, uh, they don't really regret Actually, I have a funny story. I was um, I was helping manage an Airbnb this summer, and someone had come up from the States, or Southern Ontario, because they couldn't come from yeah. the States, Southern Ontario, to stay there. And they sat on... It was out at behind um, the Sleeping Giant, and they were looking out, and there's a bunch of islands out there as well, and it's a scene or a landscape that I've seen my whole life because I've been in the city my whole life. And they said it's very much like sitting in like Greece or the Mediterranean where there's these kind of pockets of islands and this beautiful landscape. And it's funny because I had seen Greece in previous years and I remember my mind being blown and just being like, this is incredible. And then I come back to Thunder Bay and I'm just like, oh yeah, that's just what I look at. But then having someone else see it with their mind blown made me appreciate like this landscape is incredible that we've got in front of us every single day, winter or summer. It's beautiful. Yeah. And like you said, like we had such an, in well, I mean, because of COVID we had a crazy influx of tourism from mm -hmm. Southern Ontario. Yeah. Um, cause I worked closely with, uh, the supervisor from sleeping giant park. Cause I had to, you know, do a few things with the project uh, that I'm working on. So, he was telling me the numbers that they had this year were beyond anything. Like the yeah. parking lot was jammed all the way down the road. And then just all these people from out of town. And a lot of these people would reach out to me because of the photos that I was posting on my Instagram and, right. you know, kind of getting a little to-do list. So like, you know, I'd give them the, the common easy ones to get into. I didn't <laughs> want these people to get lost, but 
but for me, like, like I said, I never experienced it until this year or last mm-hmm. year myself. And it blew my mind yeah. and having traveled and being to a lot of these crazy places, I'm like, this is in our backyard. Yeah. So when I posted that, so many people from Thunder Bay, where is this? I'm like, you look at it every day. <laughs> you literally, it's right across the lake. You look at it every day. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get there and do it. I'm like, well, I'll be prepared because it's yeah. not easy. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so lately I've been kind of getting more into the, the aerial photography, like drone stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you're getting different perspectives of these everyday locations that we see, but you're see- shooting at a different, you know, angle and altitude that, so it's just giving it a whole different perspective. And that's kind of been my favorite thing to shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, you put someone in there as a perspective point, right? Like make them look so, you know, so small, yeah. but it kind of just shows how vast it is here. And definitely. And when you bring up like traveling in other places, like my wife's from Korea and going there, a simple hike, like going to, um, literally from the parking lot to uh, Kakabaka Falls. What's that? Like one minute, right? Maybe. Yeah. There'd be 10,000 people at oh, these really? spots in Korea like that, just yeah. cause they need somewhere to go. Right. Right. They're all jammed up in the city. The weekend comes around and then just everyone flocks to any kind of tourist spot. Mm-hmm. And so we take for granted that we can have these spots to ourselves. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. Even like, even like you said, the parking lot at Silver or at uh, Sleeping Giant was packed, but that's still only like 50 cars. So maybe there's a hundred people there, 150 people there, but you're right at certain locations that are beautiful and, and uh, Instagram worthy at other locations, there'd be 10,000 people there. You can't get the pictures. You can't enjoy it. You can't really experience that. Mm -hmm. And for like Sleeping Giant too, there's so many different vantage points and things on that stretch mm-hmm. of uh trail that you could probably put 10,000 people there but you wouldn't, you wouldn't really know. notice it <laughs> yeah. because it's so um so yeah it's uh and like this winter um I had a lot of photos kind of do well with uh you know the unique ice formations that we've been having mm-hmm. and yeah. uh and just going at like you know sunrise and just getting it at a different light just made the big difference or going just at dusk so mm-hmm. just changing it up from just the bright blue sky just I thought really you know accentuated yeah, definitely it. definitely uh, okay, so there's one thing I need to ask you about, and you <laughs> don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but I think it's amazing. <laughs> Who is Terry Turnaround, and how did he come to be? Because this is a ridiculous character. <laughs> so I was in Iceland, and a friend of mine, just like, there's this little Zoom app on Instagram story, like kind of like just does a slow zoom in with this like cheesy song with these hearts. <laughs> and it was just like to show that her driveway was being done. And I'm like, just thinking, because I had like a ridiculous, like grown out perm. So I just had this big <laughs> afro and just like a big greasy mustache. So I told like, we're in our Airbnb in Iceland. And I just like went to Chloe. I'm like, okay, just like put on this thing and just like hold the button. And I just like turned around and just did that turn, whatever. <laughs> With the hair and the mustache and just the music, I thought it just, I was dying. I don't like <laughs> laughing at my own stuff, but like, like people I think would enjoy this. So then... From there, I just, whatever I posted it, people were loving it. And then the next one was, like, me jumping up in this, like, giant field of lupins, whatever, and doing the same thing. And then just, yeah. And then from there on, everyone's like, oh, when's the next one? So I just started doing it ridiculous places every day in Iceland and then kind of carried on to Thunder Bay. And then people wanted merch. So then I did a, a big run of shirts. And I had Keegan, Keenan, sorry, Keenan um, designed me a logo for it. And so we sold a bunch of shirts. <laughs> and then... um 
couple commercials like people were like paying me to be in like commercials That's like hilarious. advertising their products and <laughs> the latest one is for that uh casper transportation and it's like blown up for them and then they want to keep using the character so i gotta i guess grow my hair back out or whatever and yeah bring back that. the stash yeah <laughs> That's amazing. That's just how it goes, right? You one thing that's funny for yourself, and you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna see if anyone likes this." All of a sudden, now you're a reoccurring character in commercials. You're the face of Casper Transportation. Yeah, <laughs> told him you should do a billboard. There's a there's a lack of billboard space right now. So there you go, Terry. Turn around, taking over Thunder Bay. Yeah, I'm into it. Awesome. Well, Damien, thank you obviously for everything you do for this community. I think uh, it goes without saying that everyone is appreciative of. Uh, the content that you post and the support that you show for Thunder Bay and the fact that you're showing the beauty um, that's out here and trying to drive traffic here. Because uh, I think this city benefits so much from what we had last year in terms of people coming up from Southern Ontario. These staycation ideas of like people from Southern Ontario can drive up here in a day, have a weekend, take a week here and just experience nature like they've you won't find anywhere else. Um, it's very unique, and it's awesome that you're such an advocate for that. Um, once again, just for the end of it, if anyone wants to get in touch with you and or if they want to check out your Instagrams, do you mind sharing those handles for us? Yeah, so uh, my main account that I uh, kind of would like people to check out would be by D-Man Gilbert, D-M-A-N-G-I-L-B-E-R-T, and then uh, the personal account is Bay of Thunder, and the business account is Epica Pictures. So, uh, yeah, those are the three. Great. And if they want to get in touch with you to work with you in terms of photography or cinematography, what would be the best way to do that? Uh, either the Epica pictures or D-Man Gilbert. I'm pretty frequent on those. Okay. So, yeah. Awesome. Damien, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us for this episode of the Goods & Co. podcast. We have several local entrepreneurs lined up for this season of the Goods & Co. podcast. So make sure to subscribe and be notified when new episodes are released. Once again, this episode was brought to you by the new Woodside Bar opening this fall inside the Goods & Co. Market downtown Thunder Bay, serving up curated cocktails, delicious wines, and craft beers. Follow along on Instagram at The Woodside Bar. That handle again is at The Woodside Bar. <laughs>